We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Friday, June 1st. Nick Whalen here with Alex Brutha. Um, we are about, what, 18 hours, 17 hours removed um, from, I mean, regardless of the outcome, I guess you could say this was one of the, one of, if not the most memorable finals games in history, certainly in the last few years. Um, even with the, the wild ending aside, this was an awesome game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cleveland played significantly better for the entire 48 minutes of regulation than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a game that at one point, at one point when LeBron was out of the game, they had an 11 point lead in the second quarter um, in a matter of like a minute that was down to five, of course. Um, but I thought, I thought Cleveland came out with a lot more fire than I anticipated. I thought for the most part, um, for the first 47 minutes and about 48 <laughs> seconds of the game i thought the role players played really well about as well as you could ask um but obviously uh, i mean the end of the game i i said to you this morning like i've as a lebron fan um i couldn't i couldn't dream up a worse way to lose right i mean there no yeah i would i think if it, as someone who is rooting for lebron in these scenarios i would rather it be a blowout than that i mean obviously lebron himself played really well um, but to go down, you know, on a, on a missed free throw and then, you know, everything that happened after that. And I mean, we, nobody's even talked about overtime. Like the end of regulation was so ridiculous <laughs> yeah. that like the overtime period, like I, I feel like it, it was over. First of all, there was a very short commercial break between the end of the game. They did, they aired like two commercials and all of a sudden overtime just started. Like right. there was no time to really process what happened. No. Um, and obviously, I mean, overtime played out exactly like anyone who's watched the NBA for any amount of time, uh, would expect it to play out. You know, when, when there's a gaffe like that at the end yeah. of regulation by one team, that team typically, especially when they're playing against, you know, one of the best teams ever on the road, is not usually able to, to regroup and, and find itself in overtime. And, and Golden State, you know, really from the, from the get-go in overtime um, was in control. But, I mean, I guess I'll let you take it from here. What were your, what were your takeaways? Was there anything at the end of the game that maybe you noticed? <laughs> um, yeah. <sighs> 
the J.R. Smith situation, I guess we, we'll just get the elephant out of the room out of the way. Um, it, depending, I don't know, because allegedly J.R. Smith told Ty Lu that he didn't know the score, but then he said to media reporters that he did know the score. I think it's, I think we can establish with pretty, uh, you know, with certainty that he did not know the score. Right. Based on one, the fact that he mouthed to LeBron, I thought we were up. (laughs) I I don't know if JR didn't realize that the cameras caught that. Um, And then after the game, while, while Ty Lue was doing his media availability, JR was being interviewed concurrently in the locker room. Yes. Um, So there was, there was literally conflicting reports from JR. It's like how the FBI separate the two people. Like, so what happened? Right. And their stories (laughs) did not match up. So like some reporter tweeted that Ty Lue just said, JR Smith told him he didn't know uh, that the score was tied. And then like 30 seconds later, someone tweeted, JR Smith says he knew the game was not, or was tied. So um, I'm inclined to believe uh, having seen JR say, I thought we were up, uh, that that's probably what he thought. I know. I think it was Dan Lebitard tweeted this morning that he thought there's there was a chance that maybe Jr. thought that they were going to the other basket because of the speed and ferocity with which he darted in the <laughs> other direction, which of course then brings about the possibility of like, what if Jr. had kept going and laid it <laughs> at the buzzer, um, or if LeBron had chased him down and had to swat <laughs> swat Jr.'s layup at the other end? Um, I'm the just, best the, block of LeBron. The Mike career. Breen call on that. <laughs> Smith's in the backcourt. Oh, blocked by James. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, in some ways it was almost, there's some comic relief, I guess, because it was so ridiculous. I mean, right. this was, this is an all-time gaffe. And I think what's lost in it is the fact that it's not like JR got the ball and, like, had a wide-open layup. I mean, it w- it's not like it was going to be a guaranteed two points for the Cavs. I mean, Kevin Durant, there's probably a 50-50 chance he just swats that ball if JR goes up with it. Yeah. But to not get a look, to clearly just be... You know, it, Jr. was incoherent at that point. He had no idea what was going on. You know, and for it for it to be this type of game where no one gave the Cavs a chance, they played exceptionally well to get to this point. Uh, to have it end like that, I mean, this is forever going. No matter what happens in the series, this will be the Jr. Smith game. And if this series plays out the way I think it's going to, I think this is going to be the defining moment of this series for a really long time. Yeah, people kind of acted like Jr. had this wide open look as soon as he grabbed the ball, which I don't. I didn't really view that as being the case. If he had grabbed it and gone right up, I think may, you know he probably gets it. Yeah, but it was no guarantee. That's true. No. But then you see the angle where Jr. is you know has his eyes in the backcourt and is dribbling away from the hoop, and there's LeBron like in catch and shoot position, wide open. With, right. I, th- I saw some tweet like someone actually measured it out using the cameras or whatever, and like. LeBron had like 12 feet between him and the, the closest defender. I mean, to not even get a look, right. there's no guarantee LeBron hits that shot. Um, but to, yeah, to not get a look in that situation was beyond egregious. Plus they had a timeout. And I mean, I, I think Ty Lu should have been aware of like everything. Like I, I understand it happened very quickly and Ty Lu should never assume that J.R. Smith doesn't know the scoring is about to like do something crazy. But also, I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, I think once you see J.R. Smith frantically running to half court, and there's like three seconds on the clock, I think that's where Ty Lue should just be like, "We're gonna call yeah. timeout, and we're gonna set something up because three seconds is enough for up two passes I into a shot." As soon as Jr. As soon as it was clear that Jr. wasn't gonna go right back up with it, which again you can argue was the right call given where the defense was and all that, there should have been a timeout. And to be fair, no one on the Cavs really called like LeBron, I think tried, but by the time he was motioning forward, it was too late. I think everybody on the court was just shell shocked. The Warriors included like the Warriors defenders didn't know what to do. Like they were just trying not to foul. And JR was (laughs) waiting to get fouled. So like both of those sides were kind of working against each other. Um, And there's a still photo, I think, of Kevon Looney out there, like as time is expiring, like he's looking at JR, like with the most confused expression, just general or genuine I don't know what this guy's doing. Yeah. And you could kind of see like the Warriors were almost like they couldn't believe it. Like they they really could not believe that, you know, a mistake by by Durant just really not putting a body on JR at all in that free throw, letting a guy who's six four or six five, you know, elevate over him for that rebound to, to not even get a look was was just crazy. I, I I didn't even know how to react. That was crazy. I've never seen anything remotely like that. No, neither have I. And yeah, so it's probably, I mean, this get, yeah, like you mentioned, the game is going to end up being like the J.R. Smith game. But really, a lot of things had, like, to me, it's just as much the Jordan Clarkson game as the J.R. Smith game. Like, J.R. Smith's mistake, 
happened in like the worst moment possible. And it was a huge mistake. Jordan Clarkson was, um, so technically he was plus eight, but by net rating, he was minus 59. Yeah. Uh, and he was two for nine of three from three. Um, and was taking just, he was just fire every time he touched the ball. It was like more extreme than I had ever seen. Normally Jordan Clarkson, you know, takes some dribbles, surveys what's happening and then just shoots. Yeah. He surveys, but at the end, you know, he's going to shoot regardless. He was just pulling up without a conscience. And it's one of those situations where it's like, uh, like what is a higher percentage? Look, a wide open Jordan Clarkson three or passing the ball to LeBron with like eight, even six seconds left Mm -hmm. on the shot clock at the top of the three point line and accepting whatever happens there. It's like, you might just giving the ball to LeBron is like the default. And so it's like, if you're open, right, you should be taking shots. But after he missed like the fifth one, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you got to, I don't know if like, I understand they have a thin roster and Ty Lue doesn't have many other options. Although he could have played Jetty Osman. I don't know if he's ready for that stage or anything. Some have said Rodney Hood, just because defensively, in theory, Hood should be a little better than Clarkson. But I, I think the fact that Clarkson is still playing tells me that Rodney Hood is just broken. You know, Apparently, like emotionally or mentally or whatever, Something. because he can't. I mean, he can't get in the game. <laughs> I mean, even like Jose Calderon will at least shoot the ball reliably. Yeah, it, I mean, he'll he get roasted played. on defense to a degree that probably would be unacceptable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Jetty Osmond makes some semblance of sense. Like, it's not like Jordan Clarkson's a good defender. You know, no. he's not giving you really, I mean, he's not Isaiah Thomas on defense, but he's not giving you plus defensive help. You know, he's giving you adequate at best defensive help and horrific offensive help. He, yeah, like you said, his net rating minus 59, he had a 55 offensive rating. So the Cavs were essentially scoring a half a point per possession when he was on the floor. Yeah. That is markedly worse than and everyone he, else on the team. And he, I mean, also, I mean, Tristan Thompson had a minus 50 net rating. Yeah. So I don't want to like let, you know, everyone off the hook here. Like he also had a pretty bad he game. He was okay on D, I thought. I mean, he did what he needed to do in that. Yeah. I mean, he did a good job, I think, of helping draw some fouls, which which honestly was big. You know, Draymond had three in the first half, and a lot of that was Tristan kind of working the glass. And they, they've been getting Tr- Thompson some looks um, in, in like back down situations too. Not a lot, but like once or twice a game, you know, he actually like will put a post move on someone, which. But- Go ahead. I would. I, the thing is, I would almost rather have Larry Nance doing mm-hmm. almost the exact same thing, which is the which he is basically what happened. They both played twenty minutes. Yep. Essentially, Larry Nance plus twenty one net rating. Yep. Thompson, we discussed minus fifty, and Thompson or uh, Nance looked good. You know, he can finish around the basket. At the very least, you know he's going to catch the ball yes. and just go up with it. Thompson is like you. He's just he brings the ball down. He's like crouched. Like, I always say all he, he looks time. like he is trying to like pick up a medicine ball and like and like hoisted over like a, a wall yeah you know? and at least with larry nance you know he's he's gonna probably just dunk or try to dunk everything well, he that's has close, the advantage draw of being, fouls. lebron can feed him in the pick and roll nance can catch it eight feet from the basket take one step and he's so bouncy that he can just dunk it like thompson needs to take a dribble and then there's like a 50 50 chance that he's gonna lose the ball yeah or you know mishandle it on the way up something like that and nance was great on the offensive boards too yes. he had four offensive rebounds compared to thompson's two yep um and so I think I don't know going forward like if it's I don't think Thompson will be I wouldn't imagine Thompson being like this poor the entire series, but it, I it wouldn't surprise me also yeah, if I we saw it. more. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if we saw more if we ended up seeing more minutes for Larry Nance than we saw see for Tristan Thompson, especially because right. like in transition and Nance is a better switch defender. Nance can almost guard threes um yeah i was very impressed with nance all around both sides i think this was his best game in a long time for them i would i would put a lot of faith in him if i was if i was tyloo um and um yeah i mean kevin love also had a solid game like he went one of eight from three which is like he wanted to play better than that but he made a a lot of his two i mean he's nine of 20 overall from the Mm -hmm. field like he made a lot of his two pointers um yeah he was great too this was the first game in a long time with love too where i felt like he was getting to the spots he needed to get on offense like he had three or four you know kind of i mean it's not it wasn't a lajuan but you know for Kev, by <laughs> kevin love standards like really nice post moves and yeah. he finished them um i mean yeah so like you said he's one of eight which means he was what eight of 12 
from on twos. Really good. A couple of mid-range jumpers. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He Especially coming off of a concussion, yes. I don't think you could ask for a better game from Kevin Love. Obviously, you'd like him to shoot better, um, but it kind of comes and goes with him. I mean, he's not the most efficient two-point shooter. So I guess if you're... If you're going to go one of eight from three, you know, it's, it's not too much to ask to go eight of 12 um, from two point range. Back to Clarkson. We could, sure. I, could, I think I could do an entire hour by myself, like we should. Colin Cowherd you style, should. Jim Rome style on Jordan Clarkson. I, I was talking to our, our coworker, Nick Brizzoni, earlier this morning, and like we both agreed that like it was kind of nice that it, Clarkson played like this in the, in the finals because like people who've watched the Cavs and probably people who've watched the Lakers have been seeing this, but. For him to have that game on a national stage was kind of nice. You know, I, I almost feel exonerated in some ways. Like, see what I've been talking about. Um, do you recall? I think it was either in the late third, or early fourth, when he shot the ball from like three or four feet behind the backboard. He like drove left, lost the ball. Yep. And instead of like trying to save it or pass it out to someone, he just decided to go up with it. Yeah, I do remember from that. well out of bounds. That was kind of the play that stuck with me with him. <laughs> um, you know, what we haven't talked about really is LeBron. Fifty-one, Not eight, yet, and eight. No. Um, according to basketball references, game score metric, this was the second highest rated performance in the history of the finals. Okay. Um, so this had a game score of 41.3, which is (laughs) exceptionally high. There have only been three game scores of at least 40 points or of at least 40, um, in the history of the finals. Number one, 42.5 LeBron, uh, in 2016, the game where he had 41, 11 and eight with four steals, three blocks, one turnover. So that oh. was either that was <laughs> either bad. game five or six. Because I think he didn't he go for 41 back-to-back games? I don't, I don't, I don't know bad off memory. the top of my head. Um, and then last night was the second best game individually in finals history, if you want to go by game score. Mm-hmm. Third is Tim Duncan, who in 2003 against the Nets went for 32-20, six assists, seven blocks, three steals, one turnover, 11 of 17 from the floor. That'll do it. My God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was actually kind of really, when I ran that on basketball reference, I was very glad that, that Tim Duncan showed up there because I think people tend to forget how insanely dominant he was at the beginning of the two thousands. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, where does this rank for you LeBron wise in terms of his individual games? I mean, he's starting to stack them up, not only in this playoffs, but it seems like kind of since he came back to Cleveland, like he had some big games with Miami, but he didn't have these you know, massive, you know, single-handed dragging the team type of performances when he was with the Heat? It, I think what, to me, the, when I think about the, when I think about this game, like, it's a lot of, I mean, he, he was, I don't know how he can play better. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you think of, like, what can LeBron James do, what should he do? It's like, okay, you get the switch, you, he, takes advantage of the mismatch he drives to the basket he tries to body the guy um and then if the shot the normally help comes and then if it comes too much he passes to a wide open shooter the guy shoots it that was like that that's what happened if they don't help a lot lebron james kind of just takes a shot Mm -hmm. in close but so it was kind of like that is you know burned into my mind but also he took like that 30 foot three-pointer right into it yeah that was insane like that's how that to me is what kind of sealed the performance of him just walking into that shot and just right. really just pulling up in like a pretty crucial moment of the game mm-hmm. and um like lebron is we you know he takes those kind of heat check threes once in a while but that one felt like very different because he hadn't really taken any mm-hmm. throughout the entire game and then he just pulls up for that one yeah um, i want to say that was at a point where I think the the Cavs had fallen back like seven points. Um, it was like sixty eight, sixty one, and LeBron got up to the line. Then he got to he hit he hit a long two, and then he hit that three to tie it back up. And it was like, all right, you know, this was and that was with like five minutes left in the third. Right. And at that point, you felt like, okay, if they can just keep this, you know, within within five or six points going into the fourth, we'll have ourselves a nice game. Because um, there were a couple times. There was once once in the second quarter and once in the third quarter where Golden State kind of started to look like they were going to go on one of those runs. Cleveland took a couple of bad shots, had a couple of turnovers, and, um, you know, it was uh, those are the moments where I really thought, like, Cleveland was going to going to wilt, you know, and we saw Houston do that. We've seen pretty much every other team that Golden State's ever played do that. Yeah. Um, but two times to kind of withstand what looked like they might be some pretty strong runs was, was impressive to me. We have not talked about the referees. <laughs> um, as I said in the last pod, I'm not a believer in conspiracies, 
obviously it's better for the NBA you would think for Cleveland to win this game like there was no fix at all I'm not I don't mean to imply that at all but the reversing a call like that a bang bang block charge call right that late in a game seven or a game one of the NBA finals on this stage with these teams with the two best players in the league involved in the play I I think you know when I woke up this morning that was the first thing that I thought about that frustrated me not the missed free throw not you know not knowing the score um, but just that whole process and you, at the end of the day they they did get the call right you know had they just called it a block right away you know and we're not talking about it like this um, but the way that that Brian Windhorse uh, this morning described it on the low post was you know like the police raiding your house finding contraband but then not having a warrant yeah so you're just you know you, it's like inadmissible like that's kind of what it was <laughs> like they looked for a different call um and then ended up like it would be like in the nfl if they were reviewing a pass interference call and then ended up just calling holding on, yeah on the offensive tackle like it was so unexpected when they went to replay because of what they were replaying you're like oh he's outside the circle so this should be cut and dry right um but yeah to see ken mauer walk away and reverse that call was wild and that 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 didn't feel like a good omen for the Cavs. No, it didn't. Um, and I agree with you. Like you, the what they should have been reviewing was just whether or not his feet were in the mm-hmm. on the restricted arc. And then if it wasn't, then you just keep a charge call mm-hmm. because you were reviewing the feet, not the actual like whether he was in motion or not. And it was a block. It like, was. It was a block. But um, yeah, the way. And it, the thing, too, he wasn't even close to the restricted area, which was like no. kind of added fuel to the fire. But I saw I was watching postgame. Kevin Arnovitz was assigned by ESPN to they called him embedded within the referees. And the way the referees described it to him was that Jeff Green was basically next to LeBron during that sequence and that Jeff Green's feet were uh, close to the restricted arc and they couldn't tell whose feet it was because it was going so fast what this all goes back to is that jeff green and lebron are so hard to tell apart yeah. on the court <laughs> because they wear the same accessories they oftentimes wear the same shoes and and at first i was like that is a completely bogus excuse and then i watched it in full speed from the side angle mm-hmm. and i was like it it kind of makes sense i don't blame them no, for I, checking the for monitor sure. it's just more of like a you know it's not it's it, it's objectively the right call like so there's not there's not really a way that the Cavs are getting screwed it was just like a you really hate for like something like this a controversy that people are going to blow out of proportion to cloud what was you know there was a lot of other fun things going on in this game like we the last thing we this game needed was a ref conspiracy you know on top of everything and I think I think Cavs fans were upset about like LeBron got called for a reach late in the game on Durant uh, but to me, that one wasn't that bad. Like, I don't think LeBron committed a foul, but I think I think it was Nance was also there and looked like there was some contact. Um, yeah, I just you know when you when you start looking, you could look at every play in the league throughout the season in slow motion and start picking things apart. Like, I, I don't think the refs were ultimately the end of it. The George Hill missed free throw is pretty bad. You know, I, I think. You, that's a guy you kind of want on the line. You know, at least it wasn't like if it's Tristan Thompson. Like, you know, there's a pretty good chance he goes over to. Yeah. Um, he felt, you know, the first one looked great. He didn't look nervous, um, missed the second. But the other thing with that, too, is like even if he makes the second, Golden State has a timeout, gets the ball at half court with five seconds left. You know, like there's at least like a 50% chance that they get a really good look and probably win the game there. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's in retrospect, it, it's kind of a shame that the game had to end that way, but really, really fun game. I'm just more upset that we like we were we were four seconds away from actually getting a series. Yes. I still would never have picked Cleveland to win the series. You know, I think Golden State was going to win game two no matter what. But I, I don't see how you can have the emotional highs of almost knocking off this team in game one to the extreme emotional lows of losing like that. Like, I, I fully expect Cleveland to struggle to, to find that same energy, I think, in game two. Yeah, and I don't know if you watched the postgame press conference with LeBron at all. He was yep. clearly – I mean, first of all, he was really upset with – I mean – he just kept the reporters were asking him about the charge call block call whatever and he just said i think twice he was like that's the best i've never read a play better in my career mm-hmm. defensively and it's like that's true still a block you right. get there in time but <laughs> so he was clearly like upset about that and upset about everything else mm-hmm. he eventually just walked away at one point because one reporter kept asking him about jr smith um which i understand why he walked away because i was getting annoyed watching it yep um and as far as george hill like he should have made the free throw, but 
those were the only two free throws he shot all game um i couldn't believe lebron made that pass like that was a very risky pass with four seconds what 4.7 or whatever it was on the clock lebron is so good at making that pass when he knows his teammates getting fouled Mm -hmm. and so the referee has to look at it and has to call it he makes those all the time like maybe one or two of those a game i feel like he makes yep um yeah still incredibly risky yeah because i think george hill did a good job of selling it too i mean that was not a call that was a hundred percent i mean it was a foul when you watched it but I don't, it wouldn't have been like insane if they didn't call it like it kind of looked like they just got tangled up in some ways it's not like clay was grabbing his jersey or anything like that right um it was just not expected you know you're lebron sitting there dribbling the ball up top and you're just waiting for him to attack and you know take what's either going to be a game losing or game winning shot and then all of a sudden he just fires this pass out of nowhere to a hundred mile an hour pass. to a player who's out of frame you know where where the camera was focusing at the time you couldn't even see george hill so like no. lebron just fires this pass to like who knows who <laughs> turns out it's george hill um but yeah, it was a good game. I mean, the more and more I think about it, it was like that really was uh, one of the most fun games, no matter who you're rooting for, uh, in a long, long time to watch. Yeah, and um, I mean that's the advantage LeBron has at this point. I mean this this Warriors team hasn't. It's changed from the fact that they have Kevin Durant now, but he's gone against this team four times. So he at this point he knows, you know, more or less all their weaknesses mm-hmm. and how to, you know, potentially take advantage of every kind of situation offensively and defensively and it kind of just comes down to whether or not his you know a couple of his teammates step up which a couple of them did um you know they didn't his the team in general didn't shoot great no curry um, missed a lot of like what would have been backbreaking threes it felt like in that second half a couple yeah. of really good looks um and i don't know I'm, I'm looking right now at lebron's uh passes to his teammates that led to shot attempts um like lebron clearly could have had way more he had eight assists and five turnovers which doesn't look that good mm-hmm. but you have to consider like how his teammates shot like you the know the way that he's turned the ball over this postseason like five honestly seems like a victory and at least two of those were very questionable ones that he thought he got fouled on yeah i mean hargan's gonna win the mvp on like five turnovers a game so yeah, i think he's had the most turnovers ever right yeah yeah i mean it's it's just when you're handling the ball as much as lebron is and the warriors defense is as good as it is like five turnovers is just part of the deal yeah so like four four of lebron four of lebron's teammates he passed to like at least and they took shots like it's hard to describe but um nobody really that he passed to that took a shot shot better than 43 percent on on his, on, passes. on his passes like at least you know jeff green took three shots off lebron passes 42 mm-hmm. percent corver you know four shots like 43 percent. it's just like it yeah, it's just not he was carving good. them up lebron was i thought too in the in the second half with his passing he was um, and jeff, he would wait so long on some of those like he would be like he'd jump there'd yep. be two guys and then all of a sudden he's just the ball is yeah. to an open shooter i don't know how lebron sees these yeah guys there were a couple the times time. i thought it was going to be an up and down like he would get caught in the air and somehow cock the ball behind his head and find a way to, <laughs> yeah. to get it to someone but um i mean love green clarkson and corver going three of 20 from three is a problem Corver's been he was really bad in game seven and uh, against boston and it's he he's always had a tough time against golden state i mean i understandably I, obviously he was only there last year but he was really a non-factor in the finals he's he just has a, a tough time playing he he blew a defensive yep i think a there was a off ball screen yep. where someone he was supposed to he was on livingston and he was for whatever reason was like glued to sean livingston on a screen i know exactly what you're talking yeah. about and like even the announcers were like why is he stuck on sean livingston yeah sean like, i think he forgot who he was guarding for a second not a threat outside of 15 mm-hmm. feet so yeah yeah i mean as we expected i thought cleveland had to work a lot harder for their baskets although not as hard as i as i anticipated not as hard as they had to work against boston i didn't think um but golden state especially in the first half had four five six like wide open dunks because the gravity that Steph Curry has, you know, guys, I wouldn't even say they were blown assignments necessarily. It was just guys kind of having to help so far up on Curry that he just kind of fakes. And then, you know, David West is literally standing right in front of the hoop with no one within five feet. Um, they had some fast breaks to a couple, couple big alley-oops, you know, basically Curry running the middle with Durant and Thompson on either side, which is about as lethal as it gets. Um, and yeah. the Cavs really felt like didn't have any of those easy runouts, which is not surprising. No. And, um, you know, I guess the the tough part moving forward is like you assume some of these Warriors players are going to play better. Some of the bench guys might play worse, but Durant, 
It, yeah. Durant was a by net rating a minus four. Surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Fell into some bad ISO. Bad as ISO. In the second half. Yeah. Um, but guys like Sean Livingston had an amazing game. Was plus one hundred one net rating, which is absurd. Yeah, he was good. Um, Jordan Bella, good game off the bench. Kevin Looney played really well. Javale um, was really good until the miss that dunk, dunk thing there's yeah. a there's a picture of where he yeah he goes up to dunk it and he hits the underside of the rim there are two people in the stands in the background like pray almost like they're both have like their hands in prayer <laughs> motions like please like just and yeah. he, he messes it. it was really funny mm-hmm. but he checked lebron for about 10 seconds on one possession and then lebron burned him with a pump fake but then the i, I think he tried to pass out of it yeah it didn't, end, it it didn't end in a basket yeah, LeBron's ball handling, uh, it, it gets worse and worse every year. If you, if you watch like his first Cleveland stint, I mean, the, some of the stuff he was able to do was, you know, a lot closer to like what you what you would see in Magic Johnson He's highlights. like a guard, yeah. Right, like he would, you know, he doesn't really have like an in and out dribble anymore. No. You know, he'll he'll attack, you know, and then he'll back up and go between his legs a bunch of times, but it doesn't look smooth whatsoever. It's a lot, of, it's more like pounding the ball as opposed to kind of, like you watch Kyrie and Steph, and obviously they're kind of exceptions, like, the ball is almost like they're almost like swirling it at all times with their wrists. Whereas LeBron is very, the ball is going at like a perfect 180 degree angle yeah. at all times <laughs> yeah. whenever he's crossing over. Um, but he almost like dribbles the ball so hard that it doesn't, it's very hard to like take away from him. <laughs> right. Um, but he has had some issues with that all playoffs. You know, he'll, he'll drive left, kind of get shut off and then we'll just lose the ball out of bounds or mm-hmm. dribble it off his foot. Um, but like I said, I think five turnovers, I think you know, the Cavs are more than happy to live with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially since he's really the only one handling the ball yeah. with significant. I mean, they only had 11 turnovers as a team, which, I mean, that's relatively normal. I mean, I, no, that's a good through, number against this team. Yeah. Against the Warriors, four quarters in overtime, 11 turnovers. They couldn't force any. Golden State only committed seven turnovers, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Cavs, you, if you watch, you go back and watch games from like 2015, 2016, 2017, the Cavs were forcing turnovers and getting runouts all the time and a lot of that was Kyrie just getting it and going because now that if if LeBron doesn't get the rebound they wait and get it to LeBron so they're not really trying to push it as much um but that that just goes back to the lack of easy baskets you know I mean they 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 did get some easy baskets in the half court you know based on some breakdowns by the Warriors defense but no like freebies you know in the way that they gave the Warriors so many yeah I mean the Cavs a real advantage is just their their offensive rebounding ability at this point because of their mm-hmm. size like Cavs had 19 offensive rebounds compared to Golden State's four yep so they're not really Cleveland's not gonna be able to get extra possessions by forcing turnovers as much but they're gonna get on the offensive boards they ended up with nine more shot attempts yep. um, than the Warriors and um, took two more free throws um and so i mean i think that's the game you have to play against the warriors and it's even something that steve kerr said at the end of the rockets series uh he was on inside the nba mm-hmm. it was just talking about um golden state really just as long as they can get more possessions than the other team they feel good so it's when you know when their opponent can get more possession that's that's really when the warriors can right. lose and that's again what makes this so frustrating if you're a Cavs fan is that I wouldn't say everything went right because we just broke down their shooting struggles and whatnot, but enough things went right. And you got, you know, arguably the best LeBron game that we've ever seen. And you were really in position with, you know, with 35 seconds left for at one point before the the call was reversed, you looked like you were in really good position. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, if you, if you would have told any Cavs fan in the world, Hey, you'll be on the line, one free throw to go up with four seconds left you know would you take that like every of course you would you know i mean the, the line was 12 and a half and like i i thought that seemed low i mean every <laughs> to get that close and not pull it out um and not and to kind of beat yourself in a lot of ways i think is just going to be really really tough because the margin for error as we know the margin for error for the for the warriors is as big as it's ever been for any team in the history of sports i mean right. you can afford your best player you know having a pretty bad game for durant mm-hmm. you know and still be fine and win by double digits the Cavs, you know, their margin of error is so, so slim. And it's just, it's just so hard for me to imagine, like, a repeat of this in any way in Game 2. Yeah, and in the post-game press conference, LeBron said this was the best that the team had played right. in any game. And it's, like, so to win. So if they want to win four games, they have to have four of the best games of the, of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, they have to 
play four games better than they've ever played they have to somehow play better than this they have four to time because they played their best game and it still wasn't enough yeah they have to play better than this right. four times and it's like i'm sure the warriors like in classic warriors fashion will just like give one game away mm-hmm. for whatever reason they just get sloppy and then the next game they'll come out and they'll yeah you know whatever but i agree but i think this was that game i think they tried to give it away you know and yeah I think, well, you know, I mean, a lot of seven teams... turnovers. I don't know. They get a little turnover happy. That's right. that's the kind of giveaway that I'm thinking about. But you're right. Like this the Cavs was... just don't force turnovers though either. Yeah, you know, like their defense is not good enough to force a turnover. So I, there probably were more opportunities for them. That's why I think playing like a guy like Nance makes sense because at yeah. least you have the athleticism wingspan to like get in passing lanes right. and block shots and like create mm-hmm. extra possessions for yourself rather than just saying yeah. we're going to play these guys straight up and hope they miss baskets because that right that's how you lose yeah he was their third best player last night i think by and it was pretty clear i mean there's a pretty big drop off after lebron love you know and then down to nance and i actually thought jeff green was okay i mean his shooting line doesn't look great he missed a lot of wide open threes as did everybody on the Cavs. five assists was nice one turnover yeah well he hit a huge three late in the game too i think that that kind of kept it close or put or gave them a lead yeah like the one three that he did hit was a big one um and he played good D. I mean, he was a, a big part of the reason Durant did struggle. So, yeah, it's weird because I, I don't feel like the Cavs played a perfect game, um, but they they certainly played well enough to win this game. And, and I think it's it's so much easier said than done, but, like, you have to find a way to put this behind you mentally, and I just don't know how you go about doing that. You know, like, George, I'm reading on Twitter as we speak, George Hill, you know, at media availability today, said he stayed up all night rewatching the free throw in the end of the game. That doesn't seem, a, that that's doesn't the seem least like a great of, idea. That's the least of, yeah. uh, like, if I was, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of people are going to say he's not clutch or whatever. And, uh, you, he's not. like, as NBA players, I mean, to be an NBA player, you have to be probably as obsessive-compulsive. But Oh, yeah, I think so to some degree. Going one for two on free throws in a game, I'm, I'm one of those people who, like, I understand, like, quote, there's, like, a quote-unquote clutch gene or whatever. But, like, you take two free throws, you missed one. Mm-hmm. the the sample size is like it's it's so small like sometimes you miss free throws like it just happens there are so many other things that went wrong that he shouldn't be blaming himself for that right um yeah. where were you on the crowd booing jr the entire game after he like very clearly slipped on a wet spot and and kind of caught clay kind of tabletopped him um I think if I was, I think if I was in the crowd, I think if I was a Warriors fan and that happened, I would probably boo. Not even 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 if it's not right. Like I think it's just in the moment that you, it's just something yeah. you do. You, I think every fan base would have done it. That's for sure. It's not it's not just a Warriors fan thing. But like it was so clear on the replay that he slipped. On the replay, I don't know how often they showed the replay in the At arena. At first, it looked bad. Like I mean that Clay's knee like buckled there. I thought that was going to be a lot worse. My fr- my initial reaction was like he's out for the series. Oh yeah, no, but that looked like a torn ACL, hundred percent. The fact that he came back was yeah. ridiculous. Like I, I I wrote the note for it and I I uh, thought about putting like he's probably not coming back to this game in there, but I ended up just opting right. for like questionable because it's like you never know. And then he mm-hmm. just came back in, which I was not expecting at all. Windhorse did say that after the game he was limping quite a bit, kind of after the you know after the muscles settled and the adrenaline, adrenaline kind of went yeah. away. Um, but he, I mean, he went, he got an MRI, he got x-rays, they're clean. He's fine. So, yeah. I mean, there could be, you know, I mean, Iguodala is also not dealing with any like structural injury. So, I mean, it, I guess there's like a slight chance it could be something like that, but he says he's playing game yeah, two. At this point, it'd be very surprising if he doesn't play. So I, I think, I think that should be kind of a non-issue. Uh, what about Draymond at the end? Well, let's start. Well, was it in the second quarter or the third quarter when he poked LeBron in the eye? I think it must have been second quarter. I don't remember the quarter, but um, yeah. And like, well, he ended up picking a T or picking up a T for arguing this, but he like flipped out after being called for a foul on a LeBron drive. I will say in real time, it did look somewhat questionable, but you can see on the replay, and I don't think he did this intentionally, like his, his fingers literally gouge right into LeBron's oh, eye. Oh, yeah. And LeBron, you know, in LeBron fashion, did stay down for a little bit. But I think that was actually a pretty, pretty justified. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of a boy who cried wolf situation with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see like his eye had like blood pooling in it by the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but I, I will always defend Draymond. Like I love Draymond. I know a lot of people don't like him. He's mm-hmm. he's the ultimate hate him if he's not on your team. Love him if he's yeah. on your team guy. I think he's taken that mantle from Joe Kim Noah. Um, yeah. Who ironically also antagonized LeBron. <laughs> But at the end of that game, like that was, that was almost embarrassing, 
what he did at the end. I mean, I think you could kind of tell by Kerr's comments he wasn't on board with it. Somebody, I saw a video of like Draymond after taunting Kendrick Perkins, calling LeBron um, a word that we can't say on the podcast, being caught on camera doing that. He walked over to the bench to like a hero's welcome, and he's like getting high fives, and like you, they they kind of showed David West, and he just has his arms crossed, like he did not want yeah. any part of that, you know. Which I think, you know, some people probably do feel that way about Draymond, particularly someone like David West. Uh, but that that would to me was over the line. Dre, are you like where he got in Tristan Thompson's face? No, the foul, the, or the well like, after that when he was like shimmying the at shimmying, Kendrick Perkins. Okay. You know, hyping up the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He was screaming in Tristan Thompson's face, and he started screaming in LeBron's face. Yeah, the shimmying was like what he gets away with compared to every other player in the league really doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's like you you set that precedent early, and then everything you do seems less extreme because <laughs> that's a good you, point. <laughs> because it's all a long con. It's it's all the long con. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's like, well, we haven't penalized him for this in the past, so he can't really start now. <laughs> he got to this yeah. level of basketball while doing the exact right. same thing his entire career. So yeah. it's like, well, if other people have been letting him get away with it, we're going to... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, that's just... If you are if you don't like the Warriors, it's stuff like that, where it's like, okay, you're celebrating like you just pulled off the greatest the upset upsets, in history. Yeah. And like you were... You got some very controversial help from the refs. You got some very controversial help from the other team. And then you're celebrating like you, you know, like you just won the title as a as an underdog like it, it really doesn't make a ton of sense yeah draymond um, it's like i get it because it's in his you know quote unquote in dna or right. whatever but yeah it was a it was a lot for winning game barely winning as game the biggest one favorite in finals as history. the biggest favorite in nba history yeah. in the finals yeah um Steph and LeBron kind of got into it at the end um i think the, the warriors were up like 10 at this point and Steph went in for a layup which lebron got his hand above the square to block yeah and i think curry kind of gave him like a come on you can't give me that and lebron at that point was just not having it no um but then you could see after the game you know they did the the proverbial you know mouth in the jersey oh yeah (laughs) um and look like you know i think there's i don't think lebron like loves steph curry by any means but i think there's certainly some mutual respect there yeah i don't i don't think that's going to be like a simmering feud by any means no not at all but it is going to be interesting like one, if Kendrick Perkins gets into a game in these finals, all bets are off. Like, things are going to get things are going to get really bad. I have no doubt about that. Two, like one, I don't I don't know if Tristan Thompson is going to be suspended for game two. That's still up in the air. Kevin Love will play. Yeah. Um, I don't think Tristan will get suspended, but it's certainly possible. Um, he's at least going to receive some sort of discipline. Um, I assume a fine. I think Ty Lue's going to get fined as well for. I think he used the word uh, what did he robbed. We're talking about the officials. I okay. think that's usually one of the trigger words. Um, but I, I also heard that Dan Gilbert was in the locker room and may have encouraged that. So I'm guessing that Ty Lue will not be picking up the tab for, for said fine. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I could see if, if the Cavs are down 3-0 in this series and the Warriors are, you know, pull ahead in a game four, like, I don't know, Tristan and Draymond, something could happen there. It could. Yeah, I could see it. What else? Anything else from this game? Anything else looking ahead to game two? Any non NBA thoughts? <laughs> non NBA thoughts. Uh, no, nah, it's I'm all NBA from the, from uh, the moment I step in this office. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm just I'm really excited for game two. Like I think I am too. I don't. At this point, I'm not really. I'm sure the Warriors will blow out the Cavs in one of these games. But after seeing after game one, like I'm not. I'm I'm convinced that most of these games will at least be competitive, or like respectfully competitive. And at least get heated at some point, um, which is good television and yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, game one was infinitely better, at least that I was expecting. Um, did you feel like the Warriors didn't take them seriously? Because I didn't really get that impression. Like it didn't it didn't seem like they were messing around, you know, like like they kind of tend to. It was just, I mean, like they shot well in the first half. Steph had a really good first half. I guess KD struggled a little bit, you know, that Clay was out for most of the first half, you know, after the, the incident with JR. So maybe that had something to do with it, but it, it really did feel like, like if you, if you had just watched that game and you hadn't watched any of the Cavs the rest of the season, you know, like you wouldn't be like, wow, this team is just playing way over their heads, which if you, if you watch them play any games in Boston or in Indiana, you know, this was night and day. Um, and I, th- I thought the Cavs kind of were able to match what Golden State was doing rather than Golden State playing down to the Cavs level. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like 
the Warriors were, yeah, I didn't feel like the Warriors were not taking them seriously. Um, like, I, I don't think they're like in third gear or anything like that, like during game one and just kind of like trying to coast as much as possible, um, like pulling a LeBron James collectively. Um, but uh, it's just one of those things where it's like it, the, the Cavs are able to stay in the game because LeBron is like a, it's like a metronome. He just like, he's, he just keeps the, he mm. keeps the game close. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just a completely ridiculous game. Like it's, it's weird. It's, I want to say it's being lost in the shuffle. Cause like, that's what everyone's saying, but like he 51 points, eight, eight rebounds. Ada says like it he's averaging from, like 35 points a game in the play. Like yeah. it's this whole, this whole thing is absurd. It went from being what would have been the greatest finals, single game finals performance in history to, I, I wouldn't say a footnote because as we talked about in the last pod, like LeBron is already absolved from whatever happens in the series. Yeah. Like it's going to be, the series is going to be evaluated on a basis of like Warriors Cavs and then, you know, Warriors versus the Cavs teammates. And then what, what did LeBron do separately? Um, and that's going to be the focus. Like, I, I don't think it's, you know, no one in their right mind. I think other than Skip Bayless would like criticize anything LeBron did during that game <laughs> right. last night. And he somehow like has furthered his legacy in a loss. Like the fact that they lost that game almost it's, like makes it more impressive. It's funny. In our last podcast, we were talking about the, the odds of uh finals MVP and you, I, I thought the same thing. This is the type of game that you would if he have keeps, to have. If he's averaging, if he averages 45 points a game throughout the NBA finals, mm-hmm. nearly gets a triple double. His true shooting percentage was 69.2%, which is stupid. Absurd. Like he was three of seven from three, 10 of 11 from the line. If he does that, I don't know who you could realistically, because no one was clearly no one on the Warriors could guard mm-hmm. him. And no, you couldn't. I don't anticipate any other player, any player on the Warriors. You, I don't think you can pinpoint to anyone and be like that player was decidedly yep. more valuable than LeBron James. Like it could happen. Like Draymond had an incredible game. If Draymond can keep doing 13, 10, 9, 5, and 2, he wouldn't could win it be something MVP. if they, if the Warriors win three titles in four years and Curry. Curry is yet to receive a finals MVP vote. Oh, I didn't know he had not a single vote. KD was unanimous last year. And Iggy, and LeBron's, Iggy and LeBron split it three years ago, and then LeBron was unanimous, obviously, in, in 2016. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought the same thing. Because we, we talked, I think I said on Tuesday or on Wednesday, you know, there's no way. Um, you know, somebody's going to play well enough. LeBron, LeBron would need to average 50 to win finals MVP. But... When you come out and put up 51 in game one, you give yourself a lot of room for error. Like, let's say he go, he's, he scores 30 in game two. You're still averaging like 40.5 40, 40, points per game. Yeah. You know, and like, what if he goes for 45 in game three? All of a sudden, you know, like it's entirely possible because of this one explosive performance to start it out that he could average 40. Plus. I would take the over on 40 for the series, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Vegas had his over-under of highest scoring performance, I think, at, like, what, 42-and-a-half. He's already blown that out of the water. Yeah. I don't think he's I don't think he's ever... I don't think he's putting up less than 30 in any of these games. Um, and he's going to hover around triple-double every game. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say, but he could easily do it. I think he could easily win finals MVP at this point because I didn't see anything the Warriors did to make me think they can realistically slow him down to like 25 points and, and force him to commit mm-hmm. like 10 turnovers. Like they, sw- they, they did switch on everything, which I don't know if they'll keep doing, like maybe they'll try playing a, tr- like when LeBron does mm-hmm. pick and roll, then maybe they'll try a more traditional, uh, and force him just try to force him to make plays that way. But, I think the big X factor there is Iguodala, right? Like if Iguodala comes back and is healthy, then things probably change for LeBron. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it sounds like Kerr's not going to play Iguodala and Iguodala's not going to play unless he's a hundred percent. Right. And if Iguodala's out there at 90%, I don't think he can, I think LeBron, right. or I think Iguodala has to be at a hundred percent to realistically check LeBron James. And I also think the idea of Iggy on LeBron at this point in Iggy's career is, like is better as, than it actually like is. Theoretical. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the finals the last couple of years, like Iggy has not been able to do anything. Like in, in 2015, he did a great job on LeBron. That was three years ago. And yeah. like Iggy was already kind of old at that point. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on that. Do you think, did it seem to you at all that the Warriors were employing the, like, let's let LeBron get 50 and worry about everybody else strategy? I, I didn't really get that impression. I mean, aside from the switching everything aspect of it. Yeah. Like, I think. 
I did no. feel like LeBron's baskets on the whole were were easier than they were against Boston when he would like in Boston he'd get by a guy and there were like two guys right there walling him off at all times and yeah like, like he had a few like blow by dunks which we didn't see really any of against no. Boston um so I, I mean yeah I, I don't think Golden State is employing that strategy to me that would not be a, a productive strategy no um not unless they are literally the I mean yeah I think I think that ver you can do that to some other players and have it look kind of normal but to do that to lebron james is basically like having to guard him one-on-one and then being glued to every other player off ball and just Mm -hmm. preventing any pass and just turning into lebron james one-on-one against whoever's in front like literally with no help yeah and that is i wouldn't i wouldn't have a strategy at all yeah um i do feel like lebron i wouldn't say you can play a better overall game um he did he did miss a lot of like floaters kind of in the, like the two to eight foot range i felt like that he was making for the most part in the previous few series um but like three of seven from three is probably about the average we'll see from him this series i would think yeah lebron i'm looking at his shot chart right now <clears throat> very classic lebron james shot chart on the misses um they're all on the left side of the court and they're all jump shots so i mean if I feel like that's the that's kind of the guard LeBron strategy. It's like you force him left. He doesn't like to finish with his left hand off drives. Right. He takes the jumpers. That's literally what a shot chart looks like. He missed LeBron James missed one shot on the right side of the court. It was a three pointer. Wild. Yeah. I mean that the and one at the end that really put the Cavs in the in the good spot was that's a play that's completely lost. You know, like in this yeah. whole thing, like that was an unbelievable finish off the glass while being completely hacked by looney yeah and they were they were down one at that point i think i don't remember i think, I think they, so. well that put them up two and then the next play was <clears throat> durant was the durant charge yes so then Durant yeah. hitting the two free throws yeah made it a tie game uh what could have been i still i still am encouraged that we'll we'll get a more watchable series i don't think last night's result influenced like I, I'm still going to say Warriors in four as I did uh, earlier this week, um, but I'm encouraged that it's going to be at least a more fun series from here on out. Yeah, I'll stick with Warriors in five. 